Oh, boy. Does it feel good in here? It feels great in here. It feels so good. We truly are a blessed people. Janique and I have been in our fair share of churches. And I want to tell you, the atmosphere in victory, and I might be a little biased, but the atmosphere in victory is one of the most faith-filled atmospheres I have personally ever been in. And I've been in some pretty, pretty intense meetings. I've been in some very on-fire churches. But man, am I blessed to be able to call this place home. And man, are Janique and I even more blessed to have Pastor Brian and Pastor Brent as our pastors. I mean, these are truly a couple that live an uncompromising life. Like, what you see is really what you get. And I'm so thankful for you guys. So let me just tell you where my face at tonight in the Word as we transition I'm probably not going to preach that long. I know you guys are kind of like, you guys know that I'm long-winded. But honestly, I want to make room for the Lord tonight. Because I really believe tonight's going to be a special night. I really believe tonight's going to be a breakthrough night for a lot of you. Miracles in your body, healing in your body, breakthroughs in your mind. A deeper revelation of who God is. A deeper revelation of who God brought you into who God brought you into. The Father brought you into His Son, or I should say the Son brought you into the Father. The Spirit of adoption rested on you. The day that you gave your life to the Lord, the Spirit of God set His seal upon you and you were born again. You were born from above. You were created new. You were taken out of that dark life and you were brought into a kingdom of glory. You were given a new covenant. You were given promises. You were given an inheritance. You were given a father who would never leave you nor forsake you. Who has always promised to be there in the times that are most trials and tribulations. As as the world just starts to creep up and tries to grip its hand around your throat. The father has promised that he will be there to fight your battles. And to push off the wards of hell. And to overcome. And Jesus said, blessed is he who overcomes. And who is not offended by me. Blessed is he. He said, in this world you'll face tribulations, but take cheer, I've overcome the world. Salvation is so much more than just going to heaven. It's so much more than just going to heaven. And that's a beautiful part of salvation, without a doubt. The fact that we go to heaven, and that's eternal bliss, that's That's where no pain exists, no sickness exists. That's where we get to be around the throne and worship God 24-7. That's where we get to be in the holiness of God. We get to see the holiness of Jesus. We get to see the heavenly man in his full glory. That's wonderful. But I want to tell you, salvation starts at the moment you give your life to Christ. Salvation begins that moment when you're born again. And how promises are just deposited in your life. One of the greatest things about salvation is getting to know a father who will never lie to you, a father who will never fail you, a father that will never take his hand off you, that will keep you in the times that are most intense. I'm so thankful I'm saved. But I'm very thankful that I serve a God 
I serve a God who has victory over sickness. I serve a God who has victory over sickness. Because when Jesus gave his life on the cross, not only was the weight of sin placed on him, but the weight that that comes with sin, which is sickness, was also placed on his back that was whipped and the blood that was shed. And at the cross, when sin and death was defeated, so was sickness. I've preached five or six times here at Victory, and each time I've asked God to just release me to function in healing because Janique and I's heart We love the healing of God because God's a good father. He wants to heal. He's a faithful God. He says in his word that he wants to heal. He is the Lord who heals you. He is Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals you. That is a manifestation of his heart. That is in his character. That is who he is. That is who he is. And I'm thankful he gave me the go-ahead to function in that tonight. There's so much going on right here that, like, what do I say? I really, honestly, faith, this is an atmosphere of faith right now. I encourage you to really push into this. Don't be distracted. Don't let your mind wander. Listen, we've had a tough three weeks. I've been there. But man, really, really press in to what the Father's going to do tonight because there is breakthrough in the atmosphere. I mean, there is breakthrough in the atmosphere because the King of glory is here. I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 tonight. We're going to be in uh, verse 14. And where we're picking up, Paul receives this revelation as he's in prison about the true ecclesia and how the legislative branch of heaven is supposed to operate in the earth. And one of those scriptures where he, where he talks about this is a, is a verse that I often quote, and that's actually found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9. I'm going to catch you right in the middle of his flow, but I think you'll get the, get the concept But it says, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the total redemption plan of God, which from the beginning of the ages had been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places. Paul receives this revelation of it's more than just going to heaven. It's more than just starting churches. It's more than just home groups, Paul. It's more than just raising the dead. It's more than just healing the sick. It's more than just casting out devils. Listen, the reason why the church is in the earth, because the Father needs an agency in the earth to declare to the devil that his time is short. When I've grabbed a hold of this word, it's totally revolutionized my prayer life. It's totally revolutionized the way I preach. 
I have more of an understanding because Paul relates in this scripture that it is the church's job and assignment to declare to the devil and all who has followed him that his time is short. That God is a God of victory. And that our King Jesus, the King of glory, is going to step out of heaven and throw him into the eternal lake of fire. Oh, that's not the scripture I'm going to preach, but I just want to let you know. When the devil starts whispering lies in your ear, just remind him that our Jesus is going to throw him into the eternal lake of fire. Just remind him of his end destruction. Just remind him of the end result because he already knows it. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 10. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 14. And this is Paul's prayer. He, he, breaks into, he breaks into this prayer after declaring the mystery of the gospel. And this is a prayer that he's saying over the church that he helped birth by the Spirit. And Paul is speaking from experience in this prayer because Paul reflected the Father's heart. He was a true apostle. I mean, think about it. This one man got saved and a third of the New Testament was written. Think about that. Don't ever underestimate who Jesus can save and then what Jesus can do with that person. You know, the church fathers say there were two infallible proofs that Jesus was truly real. One was the resurrection. The second was that Paul got saved. I mean, think about that in the day where this terrorist was bringing women and children to the death sentence because they believed in Jesus, and all of a sudden he gets saved. So Paul, by revelation, speaks this, and he begins to prophetically speak the, the groundwork, the, the intent of the Father's heart for the church. He says, for this reason I bow my knees, we're starting in verse 14, to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the mighty power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. When he talks about that he may grant you, that's a Greek word of give or, get, uh, or grant. It's a Greek word, didomi, and it gives the expression of a person who does anything to or for another, from whom anything is received. It also gives the picture of the source, the power, and, the, and it also causes favor and benefit to anyone to give, to grant, to permit, to present, or to cause to have. Did you guys catch that? It's more than just to give. 
It's giving with a heart of gratitude. It's, it's, I am pleased to give this to you. There's emotion behind the, behind the fact that he has given this or granting this. It's an inheritance. It's a, it's a heavenly transaction. It's the same word that's used in Matthew 16, verse 19, when the Lord says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Now, what is he granting? The riches of his glory. It's the Father's pleasure to grant you, to give, to permit the riches, the wealth, the abundance of his glory. Now, that word glory is a Greek word, doxa, and it's used interchangeably throughout the, throughout the New Testament. Paul uses it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, he talks about the Father of glory, which is the one possessing infinite perfections. But here he's talking about the one, the divine perfection, as manifested in the power of God. Do you hear that in the spirit? What he's talking about, that he may grant you the riches of his glory, that he may grant you divine perfections that is manifested in the power of God. It is an encounter with the most high. Paul is saying, this is where I've got my revelation. This is where I'm grounded. This is where I'm rooted. And it's come from an encounter with Jesus. It comes from an encounter with the king of glory, the riches of his glory, the wealth of his glory, the wealth of his presence, the wealth of being in the right opinion of God, of knowing God's thoughts towards you. It's just the riches of his glory. The riches of his glory, beloved, is your inheritance. The riches of his glory is your inheritance. It, it, it was exactly what Jesus bought for you. It was the exact reason why Jesus went to the cross. So that you may experience the wealth, the abundance, and the glory of God. That's why we serve a beautiful Jesus. And that's why I say he's wonderful. Just in this first part, Paul is declaring over the body in prayer, not only to the Ephesians, but also to us, that the one who possesses infinite perfection, the author, the source, he's going to grant, he's going to give, he's going to present the wealth, the riches, the abundance of divine perfection as manifested in the power of God. There's a lot there, just in that. Now, why is he going to do this? And he's, he, he backs it up. He says to be strengthened with might, to be strengthened with power, to be strengthened with dunamis through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Why does God lead you into an encounter? Because it's a manifestation of his heart. It's a manifestation of his faithfulness. God wants you to go deeper with him so you can know him more clearly. 
God wants you to go deeper with him so that your mind is renewed, not only into your identity, but into the Father's heart. Father wants you to go deeper with him because he wants you to know him. What other parent would not want their kids to know him? He's a perfect father. God is a God of encounter. God loves to encounter his children. You know, God takes great pleasure in your worship and in your praise. God takes great pleasure on coming down into victory and dancing among his sheep, dancing among his people. God loves for you to feel his tangible presence. God wants you to be able to trust him. God loves to make promises to you because God is the one to keep his promise. Why? Because it's a manifestation of his faithfulness. The devil is a thief. He's a liar. He's a murderer. But our God is the God. He is the source of life. He is the author of life. He is the giver of life. He is the one. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. You can trust our God. You can trust his word. Because when our God speaks a word to you, you better be able to grab hold of it and keep it and hide it in your heart. He possesses infinite perfection. And he wants to deposit that infinite perfection right into you. Believe it or not. You're being renewed day by day. You're learning how to walk with God day by day. At least I am. I'll be honest. Everybody should be like, yeah. We're all learning. We all get a a deeper revelation of God the more time we spend with God. And that's why it's so important to spend time with God. It's so important to get along with him in his word because when you get in his word, you learn his promises. And then when you spend time with him in his presence and his spirit, you you begin to build a trust in, in him. And you know that he's there with you. And then you know that if he's going to make you a promise, he is able to keep that promise. He is able. His word is faithful. He is faithful to his word. If he speaks a word, he is going to perform it. And in his word is healing. In his character is healing. He wants to make you strong with the power of God. That miraculous strength of the one who possesses infinite perfection. That inner man, it's the soul, it's the mind of a person. And he wants to strengthen that. So you can comprehend, so you can understand, so you can perceive clearly the love of Christ which passes all knowledge. To grab a tip of the iceberg of how much Christ loves you. The love of the Father that was demonstrated through Christ in the cross. That's where it starts. It's in the cross. It's in the cross of Christ. That's where it starts. Friend, you have to come through the cross. You have to come through the cross. There's absolutely no other way to eternal life except through Jesus. And you have to believe. 
You have to believe that he was God in the flesh, sinless, perfect, that he gave his life on a cross for you. You have to believe that. You have to believe that he was resurrected the third day. There's no other way. There's no other name that's given among men that, what, that we must be saved by. That's where it starts. But like Christ too, you have to come out of the tomb. It's not enough to stay at the cross. You have to be resurrected and walk out of the tomb as well. You have to come out of the tomb. You have to be raised to newness of life. That's salvation. That's God's word. There's no just dying and that's it. There's no just dying to self and that's it. You have to die to self and then be raised in Christ. You have to die to self and be raised in Christ. Where am I going with this? With healing. You have to die to your own thoughts. You have to die to your own misconceptions. You have to grab the mind of Christ. And that's what Paul is saying. That's why Paul knew it was so important for the Ephesian church to be able to have an encounter with God. Because you can't grab the mind of Christ just coming in here and listening to someone preach. You can't just grab the mind of Christ and listening to worship music. You have to have an encounter with the living Messiah. You have to. You have to. And it's not enough to just have one experience. It's not enough. You have to live a daily life with the Messiah to grab the knowledge of God, for the Messiah to impart the knowledge of God, the love of God into you. That way when hell and the world comes against you, you're able to stand. Is this making sense? Paul knew this from experience in his own, his own experience. In Acts chapter 9, Paul's on his way literally to deliver women and children and all who profess Jesus as the Christ to a death sentence. I'm sure many of you are very, very well acquainted with this portion of Scripture, but I don't know, at least for me speaking personally, I never really grasped the weight of this chapter until Father really gave it to me to sit down and, be able to share. I want you to just think of this three-day period that Paul had. As we go through this, I mean, really begin to put yourself there. I, when I read scripture, I, I always just try to put myself in that area. I always try to put myself there to understand. And the Holy Spirit will give you inspiration. Chapter 9, verse 1, he says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus that it, if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now think about what they did to Jesus. That was the intent. He was a religious zealot. I'm sure he was rehashing First Kings and, 
and reading about when Elijah slayed the false prophets of Baal. I'm sure he was fantasizing about that in his mind and, and thinking how he was going to cleanse Judaism of this heresy. And then what happens? He's, he's on his way to Damascus and the Lord shows up. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven and then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, you see there, that was the first profession to Jesus. He said, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus. He said, Lord, he was well aware because he felt the glory. He, he just met the king of glory in that instance. It's amazing when the glory shows up how fast somebody will, kick, will get converted. I'm serious. And that's why I believe in these last days, last day revival, that the glory of God is going to be so strong that there are going to be instantaneous conversions just because there's going to be an awesome awareness of a holy God in the... Come on. Come on. Hurrabasa. And then the Lord said, Arise and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. I'm going to knock you off your high horse. And then I'm going to tell you, go in the city. I'm going to tell you what you got to do then. And the men who, st- who journeyed around him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Just like the world. Hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground. And when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was there Three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Now, I want you to think about the experience that this man just had. He was so filled of anger and murder and jealousy. And Jesus shows up in glory. That's why his eyes went blind. The, the light of Jesus' glory always outshines the darkness. It blinds him. It blinds darkness. Friend, when you're going through dark times, you just proclaim God's light over you, and you're going to watch that darkness vanish. And listen, if it might not take, right, it, may, it may not be right instantaneously. It might take some getting through and pushing through, but just keep declaring God's light around you and over your family. Because I remember a time in Exodus when a great darkness covered the land, but there was a light in Goshen. Declare God's light over you. He gets knocked off his high horse. He has a revelation of the king of glory. And physically, his eyes are blinded, but spiritually, his eyes of understanding were opened. And it took a vision for a man named Ananias to come and lay his hands on him. So the Lord said to Ananias, we're in verse 11, Arise and go to a street called Straight, and acquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. Think about the experience that this man just had. And in a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I've heard many things about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he is having authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. And the Lord said to him, go, for he is my chosen vessel 
He is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much things he must suffer for my name's sake. Not only does the Lord take takes Paul's eyes, blinds him, causes him to have a deep reflection in his soul, but also shows him visions of things he's got to suffer for the name of Jesus. Think about the experience that this man is having within three days. He's not eating. He's not drinking. He is blind. And all he is seeing is heavenly visions of the king of glory and some man that's going to come lay his hands on him so that he can receive his sight. Think about what must be going on in this man's brain right now. Like, have I totally come off my rocker? That's why faith is so essential. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. So, see, there Ananias spoke to Paul's identity because he had a word from God. He said, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples in Damascus. So in three days... He went from wanting to murder women and children and men, anybody who called on the name of the Lord, to having an encounter with the king of glory, to being blind, to seeing visions of the king of glory, to seeing visions of things he must suffer, to a man coming and laying his hands on him. And then from there, he got healed. And then from there, he got filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues. And then from there, he got baptized. And then from there, he went for three years in Arabia and spent time with the Lord as the Lord discipled him like the other 12 apostles. That's found in Galatians chapter 1. Paul was humbled. He had a revelation. He was healed. He was baptized. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. All in a span of three days. And God took a terrorist and turned him into an apostle. Amen. Can I tell you God's going to do that in 2022? 2023? And the rest of the 20s? I believe it with my heart. We're so close. We're so close to a moment where it just, there is a flip, there is an uncapping, there is just a massive revelation to the world that Jesus is Lord. And then you're going to see the church rise up from out of the ashes and begin to proclaim the gospel. And signs and wonders are going to follow. Why? Because the church had an encounter with the Messiah, and then the church is going to be bold enough to go outside the four walls and share their encounter with a world that is looking for the Messiah. There are lost people looking for Jesus that don't even know they're looking for Jesus. They know that they have a void in their heart that they can't fill. They know they have a void in their heart, this empty space that they're trying to fill with sex, that they're trying to fill with drugs, that they're trying to fill with alcohol. But friend, I'm telling you, the only thing to fill that void is the king of glory. He healed Paul, and he turned him into an apostle. And I believe it was Paul who wrote, Ephes- uh, who wrote Hebrews. We know he wrote Ephesians. Now, I can't prove this. I'm alluding to it. 
But Paul had this revelation in Hebrews about the great high priest. See, Paul met the king of glory on the road of Damascus. He met the Lord of war, the one who wars for his saints. Friend, I'm telling you, the Lord wars for you. He goes to war for you. He's not just going to sit around and watch you go through hell and not do something about it. My friend, Jesus is faithful, and he is jealous for his bride. And he speaks from his own experience again about this great, compassionate high priest. And I believe Jesus speaks to a level in Paul about knowing the law about this great high priest and the function of that. Jesus is our great high priest. He stands before God for us. He makes intercession for us. He ministers in the heavenly sanctuary for us. That's what is pictured in Hebrews. That's where healing comes from. It comes from the king. It comes from the great high priest. It comes from the Lord Jesus. He is healing. He has healing in his ring. And the son of righteousness shall arise over you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, he says, See, and then we have such a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And Pastor Bren mentioned about mercy. That's, that's the, mer healing is the mercy of God. If you go throughout the Gospels, it says all the time, numerous places, before Jesus healed, it says he was, he was moved with compassion. He sympathizes with you. He put on sinful flesh, yet without sin. So he knows what it's like to walk around in a body. I don't believe the Lord walked around in sickness, but I do believe at the cross, when the weight of sin was placed on Jesus, also the weight of sickness was also placed on Jesus because it was by his stripes that we are healed. So therefore, he had to feel the weight. He had to pay the full penalty. He had to pay your debt in full, and that includes deliverance from strongholds as well. He had to experience the weight of that for you to experience the blessing from escaping that. And it's all in the cross. It's all in the resurrection. He's our great high priest. And he's made a way that we can approach the throne boldly. Boldly to find grace and mercy in the time of need, friend, if you're in need right now of a healing in your body, tonight is the night that our great high priest wants to meet that need. If you're hurting in your body, if you're hurting, tonight is the night to have that hurting just be washed by the blood, by the great high priest. By the great, he's beautiful. He's beautiful. He, he wants to heal. That is his heart. His heart is to heal you. That's who he is. That's who he is. He's our great high priest. And he feels the weight that you're going through right now. I want to tell you, I, I've dealt with some emotions that I've never dealt with before in these past three weeks. 
from going through, you know, it was supposed to be a low three to a cat five overnight in 12 hours, to being emergency evacuated from our home because waters just kept rising, to being airboated out of our neighborhood totally wild. Not airboated, excuse me, it was on a John boat, but airboats going in and out, helicopters going around, scuba teams and scuba gear and little life raft boats coming in, being put on a military Humvee, being bust, having Cody come pick us up, having the Conways take us in, to, to coming back by kayaking back into our neighborhood. I mean, it's been a whirlwind. It's been intense. It's been, it's been very stressful. And honestly, it's been very weighty. And I've dealt with feelings that I've never dealt with before. I was starting to feel feelings of depression. I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't do depression. I don't do heaviness. I don't do sadness. That's not me. I choose joy, right? But there is a moment where you have to fight, where you have to really dig in deep. There is a moment where you're doing everything that you possibly know. You're quoting the word. You're quoting the word. You're trusting in his faithfulness. And that's the thing to do. But there are times where you just have to dig deep. There are times where you just have to muster strength and rely on the grace of God that is in your life and the power of his spirit that is working within you. You have to trust that his spirit is still working within you. And I'm so thankful for a wife who knows her husband. Not only that prays for me, but calls on others. Yo, you need to call Shane because I've never seen this. All in the midst, I never lost sight of God. But there was a moment when I didn't feel God. It doesn't mean that he left me. It just means his spirit was working within me. And he had somebody call me and pray over me. And I want to tell you, that thing broke. It broke that day. And then I started having these weird very weird moments of like PTSD of loud bangs. Something would bang and I would be very jumpy. And then Victoria, last week, declares, PTSD's got to go. And then my beautiful wife comes and takes communion with me and then just begins to sing Yeshua over me. And I want to tell you the weight of God's glory when it fell on me. Pastor Brian said, you don't have to get up. And in my mind, I'm thinking good because I can't feel my legs. And I really don't want to get up. But I want to tell you, friends, sometimes you just have to push through. Sometimes you have to bite down on your spiritual mouthpiece, pick your hands up and charge forward. You have the trust in the faithfulness of God. Even when you don't see it, our God is still working. Even when you don't see it, it's his spirit that is working mightily in you to renew that inner man, to strengthen that inner man that is within you. I love my tribe. I love this family, and I'm, I'm being biased, I know, but... Honestly, I love a family full of faith. Paul had that too. Paul had a family of faith. My God, he was just stoned. He was stoned in Acts 14, and they dragged him out to the city, at the corner of the city to die. And instead of his friends looking like, oh, boy, Paul's gone. That's it. 
There goes a great mighty man of God. That, that must have been why he got saved. No. Instead, he had friends that circled around him and raised him from the dead. He got up and left the next day. I'm telling you, church, you're in good company with a family that is going to encourage you in the faith. Make declarations over you in the faith. Declarations like Peter to, and, and uh, can't say his name, Aeneas, Ananias. It's in uh, Acts chapter 9. Go read it. But Peter just walks up. Just walks up. He says, Jesus the Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. I need friends like that. Kevin, Jesus the Christ heals you. Make a fist. I mean it. We have a great high priest that's not only given us the spirit of adoption, but it's given us a family. He heals, but he also uses his family to heal. He uses his children to heal. Some of the best healing is just being around you guys and being encouraged. And some of you guys are so full of joy and coming in and just lifts my spirits up. And then I get full of joy. I mean, the power twins, they're not here today. I was just talking about them. They give me a hug, and instantly I'm drunk in the spirit. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not complaining, but I'm like, I don't know how that happens. But that's the thing. We need that. We need that in these last days. That's how God manifests his great faithfulness. It's through the power, the dunamis of his spirit, and also through his people. He is a great high priest. Let's get back to that. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 3, for every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest. Since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things. As Moses was divinely instructed, when he was about to make the tabernacle, he said, see that you make these things according to the pattern shown, on you, shown to you on the mountain. But now, say but now. Yeah. Say Jesus, Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry. Inasmuch as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. This covenant was established on the blood of Jesus. But this covenant was cemented in place at the resurrection of Jesus. It was built on better promises. God promises to heal you. God promises to give you understanding. God promises to reveal his heart to you. God promises he will never leave you nor forsake you. God promises to tear the strongholds down in your mind. There's angels in this place. There's healing angels right now in the altars. My God. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness, the holiest, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near 
with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and let our bodies be washed with the pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The function of the great high priest, he sympathizes with your weakness. He knows what you're going through. He feels your pain. He feels the weight that you carry every single day. And friend, he cares. He's with you. He hasn't left you. He has not left you. He's with you. He's there with you in the storm, during the storm, after the storm. And he also will promise to bring accelerated restoration. He sympathizes with your weakness. He knows your weakness. He was tempted in all ways, just like you were tempted, just like you are tempted. Just like the enemy tries to bring those lies in, that God isn't faithful. God is faithful. Just like he tries to bring those lies in, where is your God now? I'm going to tell you, my God's right here. He's in me. It's his mighty power that works in me. The devil is a liar. My God is faithful. It may not manifest in what my imagination might paint, but my God is faithful. And if my God makes a promise, my God keeps the promise. And that's the end of the story. There is no alternative. There is no other way to explain it except for this. My God. God is faithful. He's faithful. And he tore the veil. Jesus, our great high priest, extended the priesthood to believers. Only one man could go one time a year behind the veil and see the glory of God. But Jesus came and tore the veil that we might go in when we need anything and approach the throne of grace to approach the king's throne to have unlimited access to what the glory of God what was Paul's prayer that he might that God might grant the riches of what his glory the wealth of being able to go behind the veil, to appear at the king's throne, and to see the glory of God. Because when you get in the glory of God, everything else just fades away. Nothing else is important. The high priesthood that Jesus has, he's given the priesthood, not the high priesthood, but the priesthood to believers that we might enter in the sanctuary and access God, that we might enter in the sanctuary and offer gifts and offer sacrifices of praise and offer up intercession and wash the incense of our intercession, please God. Jesus gave unlimited access to the glory. And what happens when you go behind the veil into the glory, there is healing. There is help in your time of need. God does not mind satisfying you in your needs. That's the truth. I'm not saying that he's, you know, there to serve us. We're here to serve him. But God has no problem satisfying you. God wants you completely satisfied in him. Friend, that's the only way that you're going to finish the race strong is if you're truly satisfied in God. You have to be totally satisfied in him or when the temptation comes from the tempter, you're going to be tempted away. Why? Because that's an area in your life you're not satisfied by God and the devil's putting it up right here. Yeah. 
The devil is a liar. God's a healer. I said, the devil is a liar and God's a healer. The devil is a liar and God's a healer. And Jesus reveals the Father's heart because it reveals his great faithfulness to his word and also to his character. Trust me, Jesus' character is very important to him. When we enter behind the veil, we access the riches and the wealth of the Father's glory. And this is something very neat. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. It says that you would know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, what's really cool is that word fullness, I actually got this out of my study Bible, which I rarely read the commentaries or all these, but that word fullness gives you an idea of a ship with a full cargo and a crew or a town with no empty houses. So God wants to fill you with perfect fullness. Remember, at the beginning of this train, he is the one that possesses infinite perfection. So it is in his heart to grant you, to give, to permit not only the riches of his glory, but also to fill all those empty and void places within you. Like a town that has no empty houses. That, man, that's a real estate person's nightmare to have a town with no empty houses. There's no houses for sale. Friend, that means that every room in this house can be occupied with the glory of God. Man, I really, really hope you are catching this. Father wants to fill every single empty space in your house. He delights in you being satisfied in him. How do we get satisfied in him? It's by encounter. It's by having an encounter with God. Paul had the encounter. He was healed. Healing is your inheritance. Whether it's healing in the mind or healing in your body or healing in your memories, whatever it is, healing is your inheritance. And it is the reward for the Messiah's suffering. And Jesus is going to get his reward. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory and forever in the church. He's able to do it. He's able to do it. He's able to heal your body. He's able to deliver you. He's able to relieve your affliction. He's able to save you. He's able to fill the void of rejection, to fill the void of abandonment. He is able because my God is faithful. My God is faithful. My God is a healer. He's a baptizer. He's a sanctifier. He is faithful. He's a mighty warrior. He's the general of heaven's army. He is not a liar. He's a truth teller. He is light. He is the manifestation of light. He possesses perfection and wants to give perfection to you. If you would stand to your feet.
I wasn't quite sure how this was going to end. But I just want to make room for the Lord. I think I did a good justice. This is probably the shortest message I've ever preached. Friend, you need an encounter with God. You need an encounter with the living God. He wants to meet your need tonight. He sympathizes what you've gone through. Even if it's not related to the hurricane, he sympathizes in your pain because he, he feels your pain. He knows what you're going through. I want to just, somebody's got to hear this. You are not forgotten by God. God has not forgotten the promises that he spoke to you in the secret place. God has not forgotten. God has not forgotten the word that he spoke when he said, by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. God has not forgotten when he says, I've given you all authority over the snakes and over the scorpions. God has not forgotten. If you're in this room and you've never gave your life to Christ, you've never had an encounter with the King of Glory, if you've never met the great high priest who is the answer to all your problems, if you've never met the person that can fill every empty void in your body and in your soul, tonight is your night to give your life to Christ. Tonight is the night to be born again. To have the slate wiped clean. The Father says, I have casted the sins as far as the east is from the west. And I will remember them no more. But you have to respond. You have to respond to the sacrifice that was put on the cross for you to enter into that promise. There is a God who gave everything for you to might, that you might know Him. That you might know Him, not know of Him, but actually know Him. If you have never gave your life to Christ or if you're backslidden from God, I want you to lift your hand up. If you've never given your life to Christ, I want you to stick your hand up. Be bold. Be bold. Now is the time of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Friend, don't say I'm going to walk out of here and I'll do it then. Friend, respond to the sacrifice that was made for you. He is extending his hand to you, friend. Is that you? 
If that's you, I want you to stick your hand up and I want you to wave it. Be bold. I know you're breathing in this room. You have to do it. It can't be the person beside you. Family. If you need a healing in your body, I want you to make your way up here. mighty breakthrough. I want you to make your way up here. I felt the Lord say during worship, there's many that's frustrated and disappointed in God. If you've been frustrated and disappointed in God, I want you to make your way up here. If you've been like me and just feeling moments of depression and anxiety trying to creep up and grip your heart, I want you to come up here. Friend, tonight is a night of freedom. Tonight is a night of glory. Tonight is a night of glory. Tonight is a night of freedom. Tonight is a night that you're going to have an encounter with the Most High God. He is our great high priest. He is our great high priest. When we make room, what you're doing right now is you're coming to the throne of grace. You're coming to the throne of grace. That's the word. This is your time of need. If you're in this altar and you're not on the prayer team, and you are on the, if you're on the prayer team, I want you to get your, get ready. Just grab somebody here and pray with them. I need two people to follow Janique and I. But let's set the atmosphere in this altar. I want you to lift your need up to God. Whatever that is, I want you to lift your need up to God. And as Cody leads us into the presence of God through worship, the glory of God is going to come down. And I'm going to tell you all that's going to happen with me and you if I pray for you is just a contact from heaven to earth. That's what's going to happen, okay? I want you to put your faith in Jesus. I want you to repeat with me, Jesus. You are my healer. You are my savior. You are the son of God. Thank you for healing my body, for healing my soul. Baptize me afresh. I receive your gift in Jesus' name. Right now in the name of Jesus, I declare that this is an altar where the river of God is flowing. I declare miracles. I declare healings. I declare breakthroughs. I declare freedom by the spirit of the living God. By the holy name of Jesus, I plead the blood and the mighty rushing wind to flow through victory this night. I speak over the entire Gibbs home right now in Illinois and I declare the healing and the life of God in Jesus' name.
Your 